Welcome to Mission and Values, a podcast about remarkable startup cultures. We're doing something new today. So far, we've been exploring the cultures of companies with 10 or more employees, which is about that team size where communication really shifts. No one person can be involved in every conversation. It's time for the founders, the team, and the product to scale and scale fast. That's when a shared mission and guiding values become crucial for aligning the team. But cultures have to start somewhere. On this episode, we're going to meet a founder just beginning to grow a company culture. This is a founder I believe on a worthy mission. I met him after discovering his story on the wonderful Techies project, which features underrepresented founders, executives, and employees working in tech. Today, I'm talking to Dan Miller, the CEO and co-founder of Level. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing good, thanks, and I'm excited to chat with you. Now, one thing I really love about what you're up to is that everything flows from your mission. So that's where I want to start today. Can you tell me about that? What is the purpose that you're working toward? Yes. So Level's mission is to empower everyone on earth to achieve their highest potential. Wow. I love that. Okay. That's a pretty sizable mission there. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very big mission. Um, We believe it's a mission that will continue to challenge us and ultimately potentially will not be uh, achievable, but uh, will still be attainable um, iteratively, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that it stays in that, that zone, which continues to challenge us and, and allow us to push forward and motivate us to push forward. Yeah. Now, let's go back to when you decided this mission was yours to fight for. How did you find it? And why did you decide that it was worth committing to? Yeah, so this is my second company that I've launched. And while the first one was winding down, I was trying to brute force it to sustainability. And ultimately, through that brute force and really focusing on the business things around me and in my life started to unravel. And I started to uh, develop acute symptoms of anxiety and um, dysthymia, which is mild depression. And so at that point, uh, I used one of our competitors, and they were solely web-based. Um, they didn't accept insurance. The process was full of friction, and it left me feeling cold, more like a number than an actual person, um, which is the last thing that you want to feel in that state. But more importantly, from uh, the user experience, I think they, they overlooked a lot of opportunities to provide an amazing service and an amazing experience to the patients. And, and that was the, the impetus of, of me really starting to, to think about what an amazing experience would, would look like uh, when you're connected with a behavioral health professional. And at that point, I started to do tons of research in you know, whether this was a great time to, to launch a business like this, what infrastructure hurdles um, exist in developing something that's uh, mobile-centric, uh, what types of regulations are around digital health and telemedicine, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you recently wrote a, a very informative story on Medium about the current state of the healthcare industry. Can you give us an idea of kind of where we're at today in regards to innovation in healthcare? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's amazing that we're at a, a truly revolutionary time as it pertains to healthcare and digital health and the the smartphone are going to be at the core of this revolution. And uh, I think that the only analogous product and, and time period in which we're going to see a comparable shift in behavior and access and decrease in cost, et cetera, was the invention of the printing press. 
And the smartphone has already allowed us to decrease costs and increase access, increase creativity, et cetera, in, in multiple industries, um, some that are historically not as regulated as, say, finance or healthcare, um, which is why they were the first industries to be um, disrupted. So mm-hmm. think, um, you know, logistics is towards the tail end of, of those easier uh, industries, but think uh, um, media, um, consumer technologies, et cetera. But we're now getting into a point in which um, we've done a good job in, in disrupting those industries and developing products, um, B2B and B2C in those areas. And that's great, but we're now getting to a point in which we, and I say we as in the you know, innovators and, and the tech industry, um, are trying to solve big, hairy, tough problems that uh, are full of regulation, are full of friction, and they're going to take time and a lot of effort and potentially capital infusion to fix. Yeah. And maybe not even fix, but just make the experience um, better for the, the end users. And, and that's where we currently are. And there's a lot of friction and regulation that has been put into place by uh, historical entities in healthcare, like the insurance companies, um, medical groups, uh, hospitals, et cetera, to keep things, you know, a specific way. And now with the, the invention of the smartphone and a lot of people that have historically um, not practiced medicine getting into developing digital health companies, we're at an interesting point in which uh, we need to figure out how to work together because um, there's clearly um, different interests for each of those parties I just mentioned. And yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be launching a digital health company right now. That's really exciting. That's a cool way to frame it. You're facing what seems like just a daunting challenge head on, and and you're not minimizing it, which I think is really admirable. Um, In response to this mission, you've been working really hard on a product. So tell us, what is Level? Yes. So Level is a mobile app that provides access to psychotherapists through video, voice, and text. So we are a, a practice in which you can actually interact with your therapist through video. And we have treatment software that we use to manage um, the outcomes of your treatment throughout the week. So whereas you're typically in session um, one hour a week, um, we've also developed tools to, to allow you to, to manage your, your treatment with your clinician uh, in between those sessions. What would you say are the big problems that Level is solving for people? Yeah, so there are three major barriers between the 50 million Americans that experience diagnosable mental health disorders and treatment. So the first is stigma, and and I'll address uh, how we're trying to overcome stigma. But the second two make complete sense. The second is cost, and the third is access. And those are inherent in the structure of the system in terms of them being offline models, and you you know typically have to drive to your actual clinician and and have a session face-to-face and then drive home or back to work. And we're combating that by being a mobile app. So there's now a therapist directly uh, in your pocket. Got it. In, in terms of cost, on the heels of the ACA, um, costs are dramatically uh, decreasing for behavioral health. What's the ACA? The Affordable Care Act. Oh, got you. Yep. Yep. So, yes, sorry. That's, uh, I don't think there's another industry that uses more acronyms than healthcare. It's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my apologies. And, and, and let me know if I... Yeah, I'll call them out if I, if I catch any. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so on the heels of, of the Affordable Care Act, uh, behavioral health sessions can now be billed to insurance companies in parity with uh, physical sessions. So, you know, legally, the insurance companies can no longer set a limit on the amount of um, sessions 
that you have with your therapist as you have with your physician. Interesting. Yes. And that is, it's very interesting and is uh, the first step that the industry has taken in recognizing the importance of um, non communicable diseases, uh, specifically mental health and well being, in parity with communicable diseases and physical disorders. Mm -hmm. And let's go deeper into stigma. You mentioned that was the first barrier that people face in actually getting treatment. There's more discussion, certainly in the startup world, around depression and the pressure for founders to, you know, never show signs of weakness while struggling through issues with things like, you know, fundraising, um, imposter syndrome, and going through layoffs. Uh, But also in our culture in general, that stigma exists and stops people from seeking help. So can you kind of break down, you know, what that stigma is and sort of, you know, how you're how you're planning to attack that? Yes. So the stigma is attached to the fact that historically interacting with behavioral health professionals has been perceived as um, a weakness. And that particular individual is 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 crazy, for lack of a better term, or um, there is something that is outside of their control happening within their brains. And the truth is that we ebb and flow in terms of our mental health and well-being, just as we do with our physical health and well-being, right? Mm -hmm. But given that this is still a rather nascent study, psychology, um, and we're increasingly learning more and more about the brain and our behaviors, we are understanding that those terms and, and, and the stigma essentially is rooted in the unknown and a lack of information being communicated to the general public, right? So that's where we're starting. So we're starting by treating the public as an adult, as um, a person that understands medical terms and and understands what's happening behaviorally within them. Um, And right, so we need to focus on making sure that we're communicating that clearly, which is uh, definitely a focus, but that's, that's the approach. So through that, um, we're thinking about design in clear ways that uh, don't excite stigma. So using communication that is very clear and transparent, using designs that are very clear and transparent. That's great. And that's really interesting that you brought design into the conversation in terms of being very aware of how you're communicating to people to try to minimize stigma and encourage them to actually try something new like this. We've discussed our shared love of design previously. Tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, I think there's a lot of power in the experience and design. And design isn't just, I mean, you know this, but Mm -hmm. I believe the general public uh, believes design is totally attached to UI and UX. It's also design in the process in which you interact with our therapists or the process in which we, you know, push you down the funnel into a session with one of our therapists. Um, We're thinking very thoughtfully about the process and the experience and making sure that we're collecting feedback at every stop along the way so that we can learn as much as possible from our patients. Yeah, that sounds smart. And you mentioned your psychotherapist, is that the right term? Correct. Yeah. So that's that's an umbrella term for psychologists and therapists. Yes. Okay. And you know, a huge milestone for founders is to recruit people around them to turn a big idea like this into reality and progress. So describe what your team looks like now. So we currently have uh, three uh, co-founders. So it's myself. We have a licensed therapist on our team. Her name is Chloe Williams. Um, and we have a, a phenomenal CTO that is based in San Mateo in the Bay Area with me. And 
we are bringing on a copywriter. Um, you know, I, I just mentioned how the experience and communication is, is at the core of making sure that we're providing an amazing experience. So we're investing in that early on. And additionally, we'll be hiring a, a data analyst in, in the short term as well. That's really great. Congrats, by the way. It seems like uh, this, this is the fun part of talking to uh, early stage founders is that they've, they've increased headcount by the next time you chat with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's, that's the best part, right? So you're working with your, your teammates in and driving towards one common goal. And, uh, you know, if you can find people that want to join you in that journey, it's amazing. So why did these people, you know, around you, your co-founders and these uh, employees that you'll be bringing on, why are they making this leap, you know, really disrupting their life to take a chance on something? It's not as stable as plenty of other jobs that they're qualified for. Why do you think they're deciding to join you? I think that our team members recognize our mission and connect with our values as a, as a co-founding team. Um, again, we spent a lot of time up front thinking about our mission and what we want the company to be about, represent, and what we want to drive towards. And the fact that we're very clear and transparent about that allows other people to connect with it. If companies are rather nebulous in their mission, why they exist, that is only going to signal uh, a lack of communication to prospective employees. Whereas you, you may have an amazing HR team and uh, they go out and recruit amazing talent, you may be recruiting the wrong type of talent and people that don't necessarily connect with your values. And that is not good in the long run because you, you spend all this time investing in finding those individuals, onboarding them, training them, trying to get them to, um, to work uh, functionally in your organization. And it, it, if they leave, um, in the short term, that, that's, a, that's a loss for the company. So we've tried to combat that by spending a lot of time up front thinking about what we want our mission to be and being very public about it so that any individuals out there that listen to these podcasts or read any of our, our content, that if they connect with it, they know exactly where to go to find a job. That totally makes sense. And, you know, as the team is growing and it sounds like you're kind of, you're alluding to, you know, values that you share. How are you thinking about shared values now, sort of at this early stage of, of building this company culture? Yeah, so we've started a list, the founding team, knowing that it's going to change um, as we increase headcount. And at some point, we're going to, for lack of a better term, create the, uh, uh, I don't want to say commandments, but we'll create <laughs> the actual... No, oh, I got but, you. Like codified values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll codify, we'll codify our actual uh, values that uh, we stand by and want to, to work towards uh, continually. Um, but we know for a fact there are two that are very near and dear to our hearts, and that is altruism and transparency. So I, we mentioned our, our mission a little bit earlier, and that stems from a, a huge sense of, of altruism um, and, and believing that we have a, an amazing offering that we believe can help people's lives. And that all stems from us caring about other people. And we believe that providing uh, convenient access to behavioral professionals is, is a great way for us to, to approach uh, that mission. Um, and secondly, transparency is, is core again. We've been very clear on making sure that we want to communicate um, in a way that minimizes confusion. And for us, we believe that 
speaking in transparent terms and being transparent in what we're doing um, as a company. So that extends from the data that we collect from uh, patients, clinicians, to uh, you know how we're thinking about launching new products, etc. We want to make sure that we are communicating in a transparent manner um, so that we're being very, very clear in our communication. Yeah, that's that's interesting, too, because it's, you know, traditionally healthcare is not the most transparent of industries. I mean, it's hard to even find the difference between plans at the, at the most basic level, just sort of, you know, the ways consumers interact with healthcare. So it's interesting, in addition to what's commonly touted as the value of transparency in, in companies, which is people are empowered to make smart decisions without needing lots of oversight or help, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, that's historically has been the problem within healthcare. And part of it is because, you know, there hasn't been the infrastructure for the general population to really access the information that uh, healthcare providers have, let alone the knowledge, right? So there's, there's, there's an information gap and there's a knowledge gap where we're never going to be able to really close the knowledge gap. Physicians spend and healthcare providers spend a lot of time studying and, and treating patients. They are healthcare providers for, for uh, a reason and they have an immense amount of knowledge. But the information gap is something that we can close through the smartphone and through digital health and through sharing information about what we're learning about either behavioral medicine or, or behavioral health, excuse me, or um, other areas of, of the healthcare industry. And when you start to close the information gap and the general public gets smarter about their own well-being and their own health, then they begin to have a discussion with their healthcare providers. And, and it's, it's less of a paternalistic dialogue from the healthcare provider to the patient, mm. right? So now the patient is more informed. They potentially have access to their sequence genome, um, their most recent social anxiety assessment, depression assessment, um, their nutrition, all this on their phone. And so that, that provides them to have a, a more educated dialogue with, let's use a physician in this example, with a physician whenever they are talking about their health or treatment. And historically, that's something that we haven't been able to do because the infrastructure wasn't there. But now moving forward, that can happen. And I think for new companies that are launching digital health products, we need to be clear about uh, and respect uh, our patients. Um, it needs to be a relationship based on uh, transparency and trust. What do you think is the hardest challenge you've faced so far in starting level? Without a doubt, it has been managing the regulation that exists within healthcare. So it is designed to be confusing. It is designed to be full of friction. It is designed for these incumbent companies to continue to grow rapidly and to keep new entrants in the market at bay. So there is a, a very high learning curve whenever you're trying to launch uh, a company within healthcare, let alone uh, private practice. And that has been undoubtedly uh, the largest challenge. However, the information is available. And the fact that the information is available, it, it makes the, the process easier to manage. And you just have to, you as in prospective entrepreneurs or anyone who wants to get into this field, have to understand that there's no shortcut. You're going to have to spend a lot of time reading and learning as much as possible how the the industry operates, ways to navigate certain things, how to manage compliance and other regulations. Because if you don't know those things, then it's going to be hard for you to scale your company accurately because you're going to end up 
running into walls or ceilings that you didn't know existed. So you need to spend as much time up front learning about the infrastructure and how the system is structured so that you can navigate properly. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. And I'm glad you're taking it too, because <laughs> I want you to succeed. <laughs> Thank you. I really love the way you express your mission because it mirrors what I think is still a fairly recent approach to psychology, which is to focus on people's potential rather than pathology or, you know, um, mental health diseases. Mm -hmm. I would guess that's by design. Was that your intention in crafting the language of your mission? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And that really stemmed from Daniel Levitin. He's a, a psychologist out of Stanford. His book, which is called the, his most recent book called The Organized Mind. And we're learning a lot about the brain and parts of the brain that, that process information and how they process information. And there are ways for us to, you know, after gaining that understanding and awareness for us to make ourselves more efficient. And, um, that sounds very techie, but by more, <laughs> yeah, but, but for example, there is a, a limited amount of attention that our, our brains have. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's 126 millibits per second. And so there are certain tasks that we do that push that threshold. Mm. So for example, um, listening to someone speak, like when you ask me this question, that takes about, uh, I believe, 70 millibits per second of mental processing power. Huh. Um, so if I try to listen to two people speak, then I, I'm coming up upon that threshold of our attention, which is why it's really hard for um, a human to listen to two people speak simultaneously and, and understand everything that both of those individuals are saying. Fascinating. Right. Um, and there are other tools after you know, learning more about how the brain uh, processes information that, that we can use to um, remember things, uh, etc. And after reading his book, I thought that the goal of level needs to be focusing on increasing potential. Because as a practice, if we can increase the potential of a county, a state, a region, a nation by just 1%, we're doing an immense amount of benefit in terms of increasing economic value, increasing productivity, which is, is extremely important. And, and that's, that's feasible. We can increase the productivity of people by 1% through access to behavioral health professionals. And so after reading his book, um, I thought a lot about the mission of, of Level and, and the language that we need to use. Uh, and that's how we arrived at that mission. That's inspiring. Is there anything that you'd like to share about where you and the team are going and, and what's next for Level? Yes. So growth. We are trying to impact as many lives as possible. Um, we are currently operating in California and we are focused on um, partnering with companies so that we can treat their employees and, and their dependents. Um, that will uh, eventually extend into municipalities, local and at the state level. So growth um, is number one. Number two is increasing patient outcomes. So uh, aside from making sure that we have the infrastructure to provide treatment, we want to make sure that we are we're actually providing care and that we're increasing the outcomes of the patients that we're treating. So we're, we're laser focused on, on growing and we are laser focused on making sure that we are providing quality care to our patients. 
Yeah, yeah. It's clear there's definitely a lot of work ahead of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, what you just described and also just helping people overcome barriers, but, but not just that, but also just, yeah, reaching their full potential. These are not easy things to do, uh, but a startup is definitely an excellent way to, to reach lots of people and, and improving mental health is, I agree, it's obviously a win for people at work, at home, and just collectively for all of us as a society. So I, for one, really hope you succeed. So for other people who this really resonates with, where can people follow along or get involved? Thanks, man. Thank you. Yes. Anyone that wants to keep up to date with Level, they can follow me at DanMillerSF on Twitter. Um, I also write a lot of content on Medium. I'm also DanMillerSF on Medium. And I will make sure to update everyone on releases um, as they pertain to, to Level. Great. All right. Well, everybody go follow Dan for sure because we want to we wanna keep tabs on where you're going to go. Good luck. And thanks so much for your time today, Dan. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. You can find show notes and sign up for the email list on missionandvalues.co. Today's majestic theme music is by the talented trumpeter Shane Ensley. Hey, what'd you think of today's show? Come and tell me. I'm at Brian Landers. That's Brian with a Y on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. I've got some great upcoming guests, so stay tuned for next time on Mission and Values. <laughs>